0: Good to see you this morning. As a line officer, United States Navy, we had a tradition. It was as old as the British Navy. And uh, when you would come on watch, that means you were getting ready to drive the ship. You were deployed. You were at sea. And uh, you would come up. You would get uh, the man that uh, was in charge. The officer of the deck would give you a an update on what all was going on, and when you were ready to, to take, take over, you would identify yourself. For instance, I would say, uh, This is Mr. Brown. I have the con. That meant no other voice, not even the captain, could countermand whatever you said unless he took the con, unless he took control. So this morning, this morning, I have heard a voice, and that voice says, this is God. I have the con. He's in control here this morning, and I don't know why you came here this morning. As a little boy, there's many times I I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church. And I really didn't want to be there. I was bored, bored out of my mind. And so uh, I guarantee God is going to speak today. And so if I am boring, I want you to raise your hand and say you're just not doing it, and I'll come out and slap you a couple of times and see see if I get your attention, okay? Ready to go to work? Got your Bibles? Turn to Mark, Mark chapter 1. By the way, if you watch anything on the History Channel or Smithsonian and they talk about the Bible, they'll say there is a there is this, this document called Q and everything in the Bible comes from Q. That's a lie. There is no document called Q. Everything in the Bible does not come from Q. Everything in the Bible is given by God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to holy men of God who have faithfully recorded it for our example and instruction. So it is God's Word to you this morning. Mark chapter 1. Let's pray. God, we do thank you. Thank you for this day thank you for this life. But most of all, we thank you for eternal life. I pray today, God, that you'd speak, help me get out of the way, that these, your people, may hear your word and apply it to their lives. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Lubbock, Anybody here been to Lubbock, Texas? Oh my goodness. You folks get around. Lubbock, Texas. I was flown there at one time by what was then known as the Sunday School Board of the Southern Baptist Convention to preach in a faith conference. Faith was an evangelism strategy where when Southern Baptists used to share their faith, And we would teach people, train people how to share their faith. And so I was taken, I was met at the airport, taken straight to First Baptist Church, Lubbock, Texas, and I preached in the conference. When the conference was over, the man who was supposed to take me back said, I want you to stay right here for just a moment and I'll pick you up, take you to get you something to eat and then take you to the... Take you to the hotel. I said, that's fine. So I'm standing there, and I saw him coming. Now, you may not understand what I'm saying, but I guarantee some of you know the code. I made him before he ever got there. He walked up to me, and he said, Hey, preacher, you're a vet, ain't you? I said, Yep. And you are too, ain't you? He said, Yep. He said, Let me tell you a story. 1968. I was working in this little service station in a little town called south of Waco. And uh, that was when you had full service. You pulled in a service station, somebody would check your tires, check your oil, check your windows, pump your gas, said I was 19 years old, going nowhere. Dropped out of high school, and I saw her coming. Said, "Oh my!" She was driving one of those little old green convertibles. You know what I'm talking about? She came in there, and I was glad to check her out. She was just the prettiest little thing I'd ever seen. Now, now let me tell you what I'm a preacher. And I'm standing there listening to what this guy says, but he thought we had a connection because I'm a veteran and he's a veteran. You hear what I'm saying? He said, while I was cleaning off the passenger windshield, she said to me, and this is exactly what he said, Hey, Texas boy. What y'all do for fun around here? He said, Well, we we go up to Waco and we drink and we dance. You probably couldn't get up there because you ain't old enough. She said, Oh, Texas boy. If you'll take me to Waco, I'll be old enough. I'll be back here at five o'clock. We'll go to Waco. He said, sure enough, about 15 minutes to 5, she drove up. I got in the car, never met her, didn't even know her name. And we went to Waco. And we danced and we drank until almost 4 o'clock in the morning. We hopped back in that little car of hers. She drove me back. And I got back just in time to get ready to go to work. He said, man, she was the prettiest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And for the first time in my life, I thought I was in love. He said the next day, about a quarter to five, she drove up and she said, hey, boy, you want to go to Waco? I said, I hadn't been to bed She'd slept all day. I said, sure. So we got in the car. We went to Waco. Third day, same thing. He said on the fourth day, she came and said, listen, what y'all do for fun around here? He said, well, we get get some beer, go down on the river, listen to loud music. Drink beer, have fun. She said, I'll be here, 5 o'clock. And he said, from then on, for the next month, every night, we would go down to the river and drink beer and have fun. He said, you know what I'm talking about, preacher? I said, yeah. He said, I figured you would. He said, you know, she was staying with her grandmother that we, that summer. and So her mama came to town. So she thought it would be best if I met her mama. So he said, after being with this woman every day and every night for the last six weeks, I met her mother, but her mother did not know that she was being introduced to the father of her grandchild. Do you know what I just said? He said, We were in trouble. He said, I didn't know what to do. He said, I was nineteen. I I had no job. She was 18. She was getting ready to go to college. Her, her daddy was going to send her to college. She's going to go to University of Texas, and she had her future. She, she couldn't get married. She couldn't have a baby. I, I couldn't be a daddy. I, I didn't know what to do. So she said, "He said, that day I took off about noon, and we drove up to Waco. And we went up there to a Baptist doctor,
1: and he." Ended the life of my baby.
0: Do you know what I just said? Yes or no? It's nineteen sixty eight. It's wasn't two thousand and seventeen. He said all the way back, we said, now this is not going to make no difference. This ain't going to make no difference. We're going to still love each other. We're going to keep it together. And when we get, get ready, come this summer, we're going gonna, to gonna keep in touch. And you're going to come see me. This, this, this ain't going to make no difference. But now let, me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. All you teenage girls that ain't here today that should be hearing this, it does make a difference. He said, she went up to Texas. He said, I went to Vietnam. He said, I was supposed to ride every day, but he said, I was drinking every 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 night and fighting every day. He said, I guess I rode a few times, but he said, when my helicopter got shot out of the air and all my buddies got killed and I was the only one that survived, I guess I just started being drunk all the time and I didn't write anymore. He said, what was I going to say anyway? So he said, I don't blame her. He said, she went on with her life. And I went on with mine. I got back from Vietnam, and I found out that she had gotten married, and so I started drinking even more, and Next thing you know, I met somebody and she got married we got married and and then I found out that she was up at uh, up off up around dallas somewhere and and i i, I you know I, she was married I was married we couldn't go we couldn't get back together and I wondered what happened and then he said my my marriage ended I got a divorce and my wife couldn't take it anymore, and I got a divorce, and I started drinking even more and he said the next thing you know, he said uh uh I, I met somebody and and I got married and 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 then next thing I know I found out that she was living up around Amarillo and she was divorced, but I was married. He said it just got real complicated. He said, Every time I was single, she was married, and every time she was single, I was married. And so he said we just couldn't get together, and he he, he said after a while. The third time I met this Christian lady she took me to church I got saved I quit drinking I started staying home I quit having those dreams and I came out here because I got a story to tell about what Jesus done for me and I want to tell folks What a great Jesus I have. But he said, you're the first preacher that I've ever come across that could understand what I was talking about. So I just want to ask you a question. What do I do with 68? Good question. What do I do? Now, now, now don't sit there and pretend like you don't have a 68. Because you do. And if you don't, you're going to soon have one. It's that life-defining. It might be for good. It might be for bad. But we're going to have, all of us, either have had or going to have a 68. It might have been the day that you got married. It might have been the day that you had your first child. Might have been the day that you went to kindergarten or that you went out for football. Might have been the day that you went in the military. Might have been the day that you went to school. What's yours? I had a young lady come up to me one time that looks just like you and sounds just like you and looked me straight in the eye and she said, My 68, my life-defining moment was the day that my date, took advantage of me. I had somebody else said, My my 68, my life-defining moment was the day my uncles started molesting me and it was my daddy that was pipping me out to them. I had a boy tell me one time, my life-defining moment was the day I killed my daddy. Right now, let's just set the stage. This is God, and I've got the con, and I just called Your name. God is intervening in your life. It's no accident that I'm here and you're there and some of you are watching this right now. It's no accident that this has been brought together today. First thing I want you to see is the intervention of Jesus. The intervention of Jesus. When when do people meet Jesus? It's in the everyday ritual of life. Jesus comes and calls people's names and turns their lives in a direction that they could never imagine, and he's doing that to you today. Let's see what he did in Mark chapter 1 verse 14. After John, that's John the Baptist, had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel. Right time, right place, right person. It's all set up, the gospel, the good news, and Jesus is preaching it and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. This is God. I have the con. It's time for you. Now is the time. It's all in God's timing. It's now for you to know. Repent. Turn. What have you been doing? Let's do something else. Where have you been going? Let's go somewhere else. What have you been watching? Let's watch something else. This is the reason That you've been here. you got that job. You've got that life. You live in that house. Is that why God created you? No. That's to sustain you, but that's not your purpose in life. It is turning away. Repenting is turning away from what you have been doing. It might be good stuff, but it's not what God wants you to do. And going in the right direction. And the reason he's doing that is not to punish you. But to complete you. To make you whole. Because one day he's going to call your name. And you're either going to come from the grave. Or you're going to be raptured with the church. And you're going to spend eternity in heaven forever and ever. And you're going to find out that your name has been written in the palm of Of God's hands. Amen? I mean, that's good news. God knows your name. But it doesn't end there. Look at verse 16. And as he was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. And Jesus said to them, Follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And in verse 18 he says, And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Now watch this. Jesus makes sure that you know that this is not an isolated event today. And going on a little farther, he saw James the son of Zebedee and Johnny's brother who were also mending their nets. That's what they did. There's nothing wrong with that. And as a result of that, Jesus looks at them and he says, I want you to follow me. And what happens, verse 20, immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow him. Jesus is calling people to him. Jesus is not calling people to a vocation. We express that through our vocation, through our life, but Jesus is calling people to to him and he calls them one at a time and he calls your name do you remember the first time God called your name yes or no do you remember that do you know that God knew your name before you were ever born do you know that God knew your name before he ever created the world do you know all of this stuff around here that we have right now? All, all these uh, planets and and all the oceans and all the birds and and all, all the all the wildlife and all the skyscrapers and and Bank of America and and uh, uh, what is it now? Wells Fargo. You know what? You know what? Before they were ever conceptualized, God knew your name, and you're more important than anything else right now, this morning, whether you believe that or not, than anything else. That's the intervention of Jesus. Second of all, I want you to see the invitation of Jesus. The invitation of Jesus. Jesus said, I want you to come and I want you to follow me uh, you you know that message. I, I remember a few years ago I jumped on a plane right up here, Charlotte Douglas. I was flying to Birmingham, going to preach that night in the church in Birmingham and uh Stewardess came on and gave us a really bad message that the plane probably was going to crash. Now, I can tell you what. I was the only person on that plane that knew how to die. Now, whether you believe that or not, I don't know, but I guarantee there was nobody on that plane that did not listen to me That morning, the stewardess, the flight attendant said, Is there anybody here that knows how to die? Yes, ma'am. Would you tell us? And I went through the plan of salvation. Now, whether they were sincere or not, everybody on that plane got saved that day. And i tell you how serious it was. We were diverted and we landed in Atlanta. And the reason we landed in Atlanta because they've got the better runway, better firefighting equipment, and a better trauma center than Birmingham. When I got off that plane, I said, God, you've got something for me today. I don't know what it is. I end up in Birmingham getting there to Church late because I had to arrange some transportation there. And when I got in there, there was a guy preaching, and the first thing he said, he said, I went to Mayo Clinic, and they said, you have the worst, worst aneurysm in your artery that we've ever seen in in our, our, our existence. He said, in fact, we want to study you because you're the first one that this has been diagnosed that wasn't post-mortem. They said, this thing's going to blow out. There's no medicine. There's no surgery. He says, anything that we do is going to, going to make it worse. And if you're on the operating table and we, we operate, you're going to die. So as a result of that, you need to get ready to die. And so he said, I went home, and he said, I didn't, and some of you are going to understand this, I didn't ride a bull by the name of Fu Manchu. I didn't listen to a country music. I decided immediately what was really important in my life, and that's what I started doing. And he looked at me, and he says, it's time you quit preparing to die and started living. I came home, and a few months later, 15, 20 years before my contemporaries do, I retired from a dream church that everybody. Would have loved to have pastored. Because God told me. And God's telling you right now. It's time. You started living. Like you've got. Eternal life. I'm going to be really honest with you. God's missed you lately. You've really not been talking to him. Like you used to have you. You've not been having that daily. Daily kind of. Of talking, you're not following Jesus. I was reading a, an article on on some new cancer research this past week, and I saw that that a, a a breakthrough study has been done in cellular development of cancer, and it says the best way for you to prevent cancer is to do th- two things. Number one. Quit smoking. Number two, because that damages every cell in your body, damages and mutates the the the, the cell wall. If you'll listen to what God's saying to you right now, you'll probably sell you, save yourself about two hundred thousand dollars in medical bills. Quit smoking. Number two, take at least five minutes every day and journal and God says journal biblically talking to God every day dear God what that does is that repairs the damage done to your cell walls in your body it is good health to follow Jesus Jesus said, I want you to follow me today because it is life into life and you'll never live unless you follow me. That's the intervention of Jesus. That's the invitation of Jesus. I want you to come and follow me because we're going to, we're going to go some places. I'll take you places that you've never been before. When God called me to preach i had been all over the world. He called me to preach in the United States Navy on a ship. And he sa- I, sa- I said, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything you want me to do. And he said, I'll take you to places that nobody's ever been before with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's done that. Your life will become a miracle. Third thing is the inspiration of Jesus. The Bible says, and they immediately, verse 18, left their nets and followed him. Immediately. And going on a little farther, he saw James the son of Je- Zebedee and Je- John his brother, who were also uh, mending, in their boats, mending net, their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left, immediately they left, that's implied, their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went away and followed him. Now, now, I, I, I'm like your, your pastor. I, I've been to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. I know how to exegete to Scripture, so I exegeted that word immediately. So this is for those of you that are really, really smart, okay? I exegeted and went to the original Greek, and that word immediately literally means, are you ready? Immediately. <laughs> we make his stuff too complicated. You know that? We really do. And trying to show off our intellect and how good we are, we make this stuff too complicated. Immediately, they followed Jesus, and Jesus said, If you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Whatever you've been doing, you'll be doing that, but you'll be doing it not to impact yourself, but to impact eternity by investing In other people. That means you go to your church. That means you go to your home. That means you go to your workplace. That means that you will end up being a a witness for Jesus Christ. Years ago we had this this guy. his, his, uh, His name was, I think his name was Jeff. Jeff. Uh, no, his name was Jim, and uh, he he came to the church that I was pastoring at that time. And there were there were kids came from everywhere. We we had, I mean, it was amazing. Thousands of kids there for this youth conference, and 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 he would preach, and those kids would praise Jesus and 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 the reason I was up there listening was with, number one, I was pastor of the church, but number two, I had two teenagers in the midst of all that, and so uh th- they were just praising God, praising god and and he told a story. He told a story about a about a, a little boy by the name of Seth. uh Seth had a problem seth Seth stuttered. And he had a real low self-image, and he wasn't doing too well in school because he stuttered, and and kids made fun of him because he stuttered. So he had just he had just got, gotten within himself, and as a result of that, uh, uh, he he came and he came to the church, and he and he heard Jim, and he wanted to talk to Jim, and and Jim just brought him out of that, and he just he just he was there, and he he got to journaling, he. He got to following Christ. He, he, he just, it's just amazing what all happened to him. And so he, so he came up to Jim one day and he said, J- 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 Jim, J- J- Jim,
1: and Jim said, yeah, Seth, what do you want? He said, J- Jim, I, I, I want, 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 want to talk to you a minute. He said, I, 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 I l- l- love Love you, but b- but but you know why I, I I stutter? He said I stutter because my 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 daddy hates me. He said, my 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 daddy's ashamed of me. He says I'm 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 fourteen years old. And I still will wet, wet, wet to bed. And he said, my, my, my daddy makes my mom, mama put those wet sheets on the, on the clothesline for everybody to see. He said, my, my, I don't have it. don't hate me, and you don't make fun of me, and you don't call me stupid, and you don't tell me that I'll never be a man. When God calls your name, he doesn't call you stupid. He doesn't call you fat either.
0: He doesn't call you loser.
1: He doesn't call you illegitimate. He doesn't call you any of that. When God calls you, do you know your name? My name is Joseph. And that's what God calls me. We're on a first name basis. Why? Because the first time he called my name, I followed him. Are you following Jesus today? I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes.
0: Will you start journaling today? Will you just go home and take about five minutes every day? For this week, and just journal. Tell God how you feel. Now, keep that thing private. Don't be sharing that with everybody else. You, you don't need to be putting that on Facebook. It's between you and God. You, you tell God what you think of Him, and He'll tell you what He thinks of you. And you you have that relationship five minutes a day, and what will end up happening is. You'll end up having two five minutes a day. And then you'll end up having three five minutes a day. And then you'll end up having three ten minutes a day. And then you'll be in a hurry to get home to journal with God. And then your life will become a miracle. God is calling your name.